Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that looks at the inspiration, intention, and actionable steps to help you jumpstart joy in the world, in your life, and in other people's lives. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. Welcome to episode 203. This week's show is a look back episode where I'm revisiting the interview with Stacia Savasic, which was the second most downloaded episode of season four. And I especially love the conversation with Stacia so much because she is a style coach. You will find that she has the most amazing energy and we just kind of hit it off like maybe we'd known each other before. But what she has to share is really what she calls inside out congruency. And that means making how you feel on the inside match how you present yourself on the outside. A lot of what she learned is from her differently abled daughter, Raisa. And I'm going to let you guys listen to this story because she does such a great job of telling it. It is really beautiful to see how her daughter has taught her so much about how, you know, really making your inside and your outside match and how you can do that with style and fashion and the clothes that we wear. Before we get to that, I want to say hi. I'm so glad you're here. And thank you so much for tuning in this week and always. If you're new, Jumpstart Your Joy is a podcast that it comes out every week. And I have just finished up season four. This is a great time to catch up with past episodes. You can binge your heart out for, you know, 202 past episodes. If you want an easy way to kind of sink your teeth in to what the show is about, Go to jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash final four, the number four, and that will give you the full rundown of the top 10 episodes of this last season. It's a great place to kind of get your feet wet. But if you want to find out more about the the show itself, you can go to jumpstartyourjoy.com. That's the website. And the show notes for this episode where I link up to the information that Stacia shares and where you can find her style school, you can find that at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash Stacia. While you're there, be sure and sign up for my newsletter, which comes out every Thursday, and it is called Three Things Thursday. And what I talk about in that is the inspiration, intention, and action that you can take based on some of the conversation that has happened in the week's episode. So this week, we'll be looking at that inside out congruency. And I love diving in and having a different way to kind of interact with some of you guys if you want to share your thoughts or just hear what else I'm thinking about as far as the conversation goes with a guest. It's a lot of fun to be able to interact with you all. So that is on the website and you can find it jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash Stacia. There'll be a sign up form at the very bottom of that page. So I've just let's just jump right on in with this really fun conversation with Stacia. Welcome to the show, Stacia. Thank you so much, Paula. I'm happy to be here. Yay! <laughs> um, the first thing that I ask everybody is, will you tell us about what you loved most as a child or in school? What were your earliest sparks of joy? My earliest sparks of joy. What I loved the most as a kid, which is funny because I lost it for a long time, probably in my teens and 20s was hiking, being outside, being in the woods or in the mountains or with my hands in the dirt going, collecting night crawlers so I could sell them and go fishing and (laughs) that gritty, dirty, earthy, outdoorsy stuff is what I loved as a kid. That's what I loved. And then I broke up with it for a long, long time and then found my way back, which is great. But I I loved all those outdoorsy, dirty things when I was little, for sure. 
I love that. Especially the night crawlers. Like that's such a visual. We used to dig. I mean, I live in California now, but we used to go fishing and we would dig the night crawlers before we went. (laughs) It's really an event. It's fun. It is fun. Well, you know, it was my first business as an entrepreneur was selling worms, spacious worms, like 11 years old. And it was my first business. I grew up in Maine. And what I would do is I would wet the lawn in the afternoon. I don't know if it's a New England thing, but we'd call it jacking. Yeah. I don't know. Like, is this a thing? Like, we'd go jacking, except we'd say it with a Maine accent. We'd go jacking, and I would, and I had like a big thing where I would collect my worms, and then I had signs up all over town, spacious worms, and people would come and buy worms for me, 50 cents a dozen. <laughs> I loved it. It was great. That's so amazing. I mean, not every entrepreneur comes on and has a story. I mean, there's a lot of entrepreneurs on the show. And not everybody has a story of how they kind of followed this thing as a kid. And and I love that you're saying this. I had a mouse business (laughs) where I would breed mice and sell them to the local pet store. And oh my goodness, I just love this. I love the worm business so much. It's so good. (laughs) I didn't know that I was going to have a life as an entrepreneur. That didn't happen until I was 40. Um, And I was really good at it because there weren't a lot of girl worm sellers 40 years ago. So... I kind of had a, a niche in the business where all the fishermen, you know, that there was a girl that did it and it wasn't just a boy business. It was a girl business. So I think that was kind of cool too. It is cool. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. And not a, I'll say the same thing. You know, if there's kids listening that need a business, not a lot of girls are selling, you know, little mice to the pet store either. <laughs> <laughs> so great. I love it. <laughs> and of course, you you do something very different. Now, could you tell us a little bit, a little bit different? What is your current business? I have upgraded to humans. I work with women. What I do now is I run an online style school for women, but it's the kind of style school where ten percent about the clothes and ninety percent about who you are and how you want to show up in the world. So we talk about the clothes, but we talk about the clothes as a as a tool to accessing your greatest strength, your, you know, your, your soul fire, your power, your groundedness, your everything that's fabulous about you. We use clothes as a way to access that every single day. So no more, I don't do worms, but I do like women's, <laughs> women's empowerment, you know, how to stand into who you are, who you're meant to be. And that's, that's the work that I do now. And it's awesome. It's amazing. Yeah. And it's interesting because mm-hmm kind of angle on this it feels mm-hmm. hopefully this is okay to say it feels a little Doreen Roth like it's not about the food aka it's not about the clothes it is it's not, but it's not. <laughs> totally want- yeah I mean that's what people come into style school and they're like I thought this was gonna be about the clothes and I'm like I told you it wasn't why didn't you believe me you know but oftentimes <laughs> it's hard to imagine that there can be a style school where the clothes are not the primary focus they are but they're not. We use them as a tool to access something greater, right? We do a lot of work with the negative voices inside our heads that say we can't. Because how many women have amazing things in their closets, but they don't dare to wear them because they don't think they can pull it off. That's the Mm. kind of stuff we work past, right? So it's about the clothes, but it's not really about the clothes. So often it's about overcoming shame over, I mean, specifically body shame. Holy buckets. That's a that's a pile of worms right there. Um, just there's so much, you know what I mean. There's so much yeah. that we that we work through, and it's 
sort of, I could sort of sum up style school. The work we do is navigating your way between not being enough and being too much, right? Mm, so that's the yeah. thing that we women, that we as women, you know, mostly we talk, like, this is what I hear. I'm like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm not enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not whatever enough. Or, oh, I feel like I'm being too much. It would be too much if I did this. I'm too much. My voice is too loud. You know what I mean? It's like we're always mm-hmm. caught between not enough and too much. And yeah. so it's navigating those two voices and finding our place where we are enough and we're not too much. So it's sort of satisfying mm-hmm. both. But there's a lot of negative voices going on inside our heads that like to paralyze us. So style school is about navigating our way through those voices and wearing the clothes and showing up in the world the way that we're meant to do it, right? Oh, yeah. Many people listening know, but I'm super short, so I'm four foot ten. I feel like there's there was so many, and I think you even say this maybe in one of your, maybe it's in your TED Talk, that it felt like there's so many rules back in even high school or probably earlier, too, where here's mm-hmm. what we wear. It's almost yeah. mean girls in a way. This is what we wear. And we wear pink on Wednesdays or whatever. But I felt like I never knew all the rules for sure. And then you try and put that on a body that, I mean, there's not a lot of models in any window that are four foot 10. So yeah. So how do you and your students, how do you start to break down whether it's shame or just a deep misunderstanding of what we're supposed to be wearing? I feel like my job is to call out the lies all the time. Okay, where did this come from and who told you this was true? Does it right. even make any sense? Most of it just doesn't make any sense ever. I think there are all those rules out there and they're made up by somebody. But if we sat and looked, tried to find where they came from, mm-hmm. we tried to discover who made them up and do they have any authority over how we show up in the world? You realize it's all a bunch of nonsense. Most of it designed to keep us small or to keep us turning into consumers because the rules change and then you need new things. And, you know, it's constantly putting you in that place of not enough or too much. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. I mean, everybody has the thing. I'm too tall. My boobs are too big. My boobs are too small. (laughs) I'm too short. I'm too wide. I'm too narrow. For everything that there is, there's a counter thing that's just as debilitating for somebody. If it's my body's not good enough, my body's too perfect, so I have to hide it because I don't want to be insulting mm-hmm. to anybody. Well, yeah, it's like no matter what, same fits. It's the only thing in the whole wide clothing industry that is one size fits all. Right. Uh, there are no tights that are one size fits all. That's nonsense that even they would put that on a tag. That's crazy. But shame is an equal opportunity thing that everybody experiences and once you start to see that and then you begin to realize it's all shit (laughs) yeah I know you mentioned that some of it's the industry they want us to stay in a place where we're kind of questioning ourselves maybe Mm -hmm. but where or how do we start breaking down maybe that imprint of you are too much or you're not enough like how do we how do we dive in and break that down well it's big work for a while, mm, right? Yeah. And it's big work. It's not something that really happens overnight. And I think it starts with the beginning, sort of like a new way of framing things up in your mind. And then it lasts your whole your whole damn life. It's a journey, being able to stay true to yourself, because as we grow, as we mature, as we become more of ourselves, we require more of ourselves, right? So it's this constant coming back and checking in with ourselves. And yeah. I think the way that I do that 
is by keeping my fingers on the pulse of who am I? Those are the three most important words. Who am I? And oftentimes I'll say to somebody in conversation, who are you? Well, I'm a mom and I'm a this, I'm a that. I go, oh, okay, that's nice. Those are your roles. But I want to know who you are. Way down deep on the inside, who are you? If we can connect to that, then 410, 62, <laughs> 122 pounds, 100, you know, 200, none of that matters. When we are thinking about our essence, our soul fire, that you know, place inside us that is our truth and our our most honest selves. And so yeah. in my work, in the way that I work with women, is the only thing that actually matters is who you are and how you choose to show up in the world. And you can be four foot ten and just be a full of life, vibrant, energetic, effervescent person that takes up so much space with your presence, right? Mm -hmm. Even though you may be petite, right? So I think the size of our bodies and how tall we are and how short we are and how big we are, none of that actually matters. There are some logistical things that we work on in style school, collecting your body's data and learning to dress your body in a way that makes sense thinking about geometry and physics. Let's make it make sense, but we don't need to put all this stuff onto it that doesn't really matter. There aren't really any rules that you actually need to follow based on based on because you're this tall, you have to do this, or because you're this way this much, you have to do this. That's all nonsense. Let's break it down to the science of like the science of dressing your body. And and think of your body as something where you, you collect its data and then you look at the clothes and you look at the data and you make sure that there's cohesion between them, right? That they're not fighting mm-hmm. each other, which happens so often with women is we put clothes in our bodies that don't match our data and then things get all bunged up and they don't fit us well, right? Mm-hmm. So if we just can find the clothes that match the data, put that together and then let go of all those rules and nobody actually knows the rules and what are the rules and which box am I supposed to fit into? And I don't know, I can't figure it out. Yeah. Let all that nonsense go. The only thing that you need to pay attention to is who are you? And then you buy clothes that fit your body, that fit your body's data, but that's a fit thing. The soul fire thing comes into you wearing whatever it is that you want to wear. Doesn't matter your size. I think I heard yeah. you're less than five feet tall. You can't wear stripes or something like that. <laughs> that is the most ridiculous thing. That's the load, <laughs> right? Like it just doesn't make sense, really. If you love stripes and they make you feel fantastic, that that's not something you need to follow, right? You no. know what I mean? There's so many yeah. of those kind of rules, and they handcuff us and they paralyze us because we think somebody knows better than we do, so we better follow the rules. And they're they're mostly they're mostly just not that helpful. Yeah, I totally agree. And I do wear stripes. I mean, stripes are going to cut anybody. They're (laughs) going to break your line, whatever way you go. So yeah, I don't think that's special for a short person. Sometimes I'll talk about the guidelines. So anytime you wear a horizontal line, it's going to break the vertical line. Yes, this is true. But anytime you do one thing, you can counteract it with something else right? I have short legs and a long torso. So if I want to wear a stripey skirt at the bottom, I'm going to wear a shoe. I'm going to wear my clogs because they give me a little one inch lift. So I've just counteracted the stripe cuttingness. Yes, I love it. Horizontal line by adding a little lift to my shoe and bringing my waistline up. So I'm going to, 
wear a, sh- a cropped denim jacket instead of a long denim jacket so that I elongate everything you can do. You can do something the opposite to override it, right? You just cracked open a thing for me because I, I have a long torso. Right, short legs. And short legs. Yeah. And for being short, that's why I don't like to wear a short top because I feel like it cuts me weird. There can be guidelines for how to dress your shape, right? Mm-hmm. And somebody can do, I'm going to throw air quotes around wrong, 12 sure. wrong things, and it can make them look shorter than they actually are. Mm-hmm. Or you can do three of those wrong things, wrong, again, I'm throwing air quotes, but do seven things to counterbalance those things and you just completely cancel them out and you were rocking the hell out of them, right? Yes. So it's yes. everything for every reaction, there, there's a counter reaction and you can do that with your clothes. And it's not hard. Once you start to pay attention, your intuition will tell you exactly what you need to do. I can give you all the like, did it, did it, did it, like, here's a sheet. And this is what you do for your body. But that's not actually helpful. Because in five minutes, you're going to either lose weight or gain weight, or your butt's going <laughs> to sag yes. or like your body's going to change, right? Because that's mm-hmm. what bodies do. So we never want to memorize what's right Like, tell me the rules and exactly how to follow them. I refuse to do that in style school. I won't do that for anybody. What I say is, you tell me what you wish were different about what you're wearing, and then tell me how you're going to... And there's not a person that can't do it. Once you pay attention, it's so easy to say, oh, well, my legs look a little short. If I put my clogs on instead of my Birkenstocks, it would totally change it. Look at you, smarty pants. You know. (laughs) Right? Everybody knows if we take the time to pay attention to it. You kind of get a little like crazy obsessed. Like, okay, I got to pay attention, got to pay attention, got to pay attention until you start to understand it. And then you're learning to bake bread and you have to spend all the time with the ingredients to figure out how it works. And then you just know how to do it. This is the same way. Dressing your body is the same way. You kind of have to get super into it, pay attention, study it. And then once it starts to click, you're like, oh, I got it. But I had to put in a little effort. And we think we shouldn't have to put in effort, but we do. But once you understand the concepts of balance and proportion, no matter what happens to your body, you can adjust. It makes perfect sense to me. And I do love what you're saying about putting in that little bit, one, trusting your gut and understanding like, hey, if I think that's pretty, then just go with it instead of saying, but nobody else is wearing this fuchsia I'm thinking of you of a future dress, but like yeah. nobody else is wearing it. Well, who cares? Do I feel pretty? That's important. And I'm also thinking when it's made for somebody of a different size, likely, I should just go ahead and, you know, move the little guides that would be where my waist should go up a little because <laughs> that's gonna help me out immensely. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't and know then, why I'm not trusting that. You know, why haven't I trusted it with that specific dress? We don't. And then there's all the like, blame your body, blame your body, blame your body. Mm. Uh, in, in many ways, the clothing industry is in a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of scenario. Because I mean, just look around at your social circle. How many of the women have exactly the same body? Exactly the same. Yeah. Oh, interesting. But we all think we should be able to walk into the gap and buy the clothes off the shelf. Right. And it's just it's not, not going to work. It's just it's like impossible. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. And Gap might sell five different styles of jeans, maybe seven in the store and more online. But all of these women are going to walk into the Gap, try on jeans, and only one of them is going to be successful out of maybe 100. And then we go, oh, my body, I can't even buy Gap jeans. Of course you can't. 
like, I always think of it as um, how many people are on the planet? It's almost 8 billion. Mm -hmm. That's 8 billion different bodies. And we think (laughs) that like one store can accommodate all of us. It's impossible. Right. But we blame our bodies. We don't think about the fact that there's, there's no way one brand can accommodate all the people. Just think about a belly and a butt and a rise, right? Like there can be 7 bajillion ways to have a belly and a butt. And mm-hmm. you, know, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> and they're, they're not like, all going to fit the same pants. They're not, or not gonna, well. <laughs> right. They're not all because, you know, somebody yeah. can be a little belly, bigger butt or big belly, little butt. And they're, the fabric's going to be in the wrong place. And mm-hmm. the rise isn't going to be right. And it's going to pinch somebody's crotch. And the other one's going to have like crotch hanging down to their knees. And there's so much nuance in our amazing, incredible women's bodies but yeah. we think we should all be able to buy jeans on the first try. I'm, don't even talk to me about your jean shopping, about how unsuccessful you've been until you have tried on between 75 and 100 pairs. Then come to me with your woes. But right. until you've tried on 75 pairs of jeans, you haven't even started the journey. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And this is why I don't mostly wear pants because they're really hard. Pants <laughs> uh, like are really hard. That's yeah. a whole that's a whole lot of physics that has to come into place there to make that, that work. I hadn't um, even thought about that algorithm of it's yeah. kind of like the triangle of a kitchen. Like you gotta get that right. You know, like the sink yeah. stove refrigerator. Right? Yeah. It's but, like it's except in your possible. <laughs> this is Do why I wear dresses most of the time, because I don't yeah. have to deal with that tri- like that magical triangle of, of size. Yeah, yeah, like it's too many things. Um but this and, is why Clothes are hard because our bodies are hard and there's so much value in, in some ways, like finding the brand that works for you. And it may only be one, mm-hmm. right? It may only be one or two brands that work for you, but we instead get mad. We keep going to Old Navy, even though oh. Old Navy doesn't fit us. And then we get pissed at our bodies. Old Navy just isn't your brand. Maybe right. Target will work for you. Maybe J. Crew will. Maybe Gap Maybe Banana Republic will. Maybe something at JCPenney. Maybe something at Walmart will. Who knows? It doesn't yeah. matter as long as it fits your body, you know? Um, but I don't think we give ourselves enough of a chance to find the clothes that fit us. And we don't understand our bodies and we don't understand our data. And we don't understand our silhouettes. And then we keep trying to put the wrong things on our bodies and then we blame our bodies. And, we, you know, it's just... And it just spirals on us. Yeah, because we feel terrible. like it's us and it's not the clothes. It's not you, it's the clothes. And you just have to find the right clothes for your body. And is it easy? No. no. I'm Never. not going to trick you and say it is. But once you hone in on what works, shopping gets wicked fast, right? Mm-hmm. Like I can shop a dress rack in five minutes because I know what silhouette works for me. So I can visually eliminate 95% of what's on a rack. I know it's not going to work on my shape because I've done the work. So I put the work in up front. And then in the end, it's, it's simple because I, I know what's going to work and I don't have to go into a fitting room with 5,000 things and feel disappointed. I can go with three things that I think have a good chance of working on my body. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's so. super powerful. And it also kind of gets rid of the, uh, I mean, I'll kind of, I'll say fast food shopping because it does feel yeah. like I'll wander into Old Navy and do exactly what you said. And Target's often the same way for me because I yep. just don't have petites. And then I bring home this stuff and it doesn't fit. 
right. <laughs> you know, and then it's a, either you wear it and it doesn't feel great on you or you yeah. take it back. Yeah. It's, it's a bad spiral to be in for sure. Or you forget to take it back and then you're stuck with it. And then you've got all these clothes in your closet with tags on them and you feel committed to them. And then you say, well, I might as well wear them even if they don't fit well. And then you wear them and then you don't feel good in your body and you blame your body, not the clothes. Yes. Oh, you, you know, the cycle for sure. I know the cycle. (laughs) I lived the cycle for a long time. And if we would have had this conversation, which we wouldn't have six years ago, because I was wearing beige cropped yoga pants at the time. The Um, beige stage. (laughs) (laughs) When you were in the beige stage, I mean, how did you navigate your own way out? Was there something that jarred you out of it? Or was it a realization of sorts? Um, It was a process of things. It was sort of like a series of things that happened that sort of culminated on this one specific day. And I'll give you a little backstory. So Mm -hmm. I, when I had my first child, um, so she's 12 now. So it was about Mm -hmm. 12 years ago. I was, uh, I had completely broken up a style. I had broken up a style for probably 15 years before. So it was kind of a disaster all the time. Like, you're like, oh my God, I have to go to a wedding. This is going to cry. Can't find anything to wear. Yeah. Everything and everything comes out of the closet and it's all on the bed and nothing and, fits. And nothing fits <laughs> and everything makes you feel bad and you cry and then you go shopping and you try on all the wrong things and then you cry some more and then you yeah. cry in the fitting room. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that was pretty much my life. And then when my daughter was born, she had a number of, um, medical issues. So I became a special needs mama and wasn't able to go back to work. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I did when I was home with her to sort of manage my sanity, because we were, we were busy with a lot of things. She, um, had a a lot of medical stuff going on. So we would average between four to nine medical appointments a week when she was little. Yeah. Which is pretty intense. That's, that is intense. Yeah. That's it's pretty intense, and a lot of you know four of them were weekly with the different therapists that we saw. You know, PT, OT, SLP, developmental therapy, like that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. then there were all the extras and the trips to Boston. You know, I live in Vermont, and every specialist under the sun, the surgeries. I mean, it was just so mm-hmm. so much that one of the things that I did for my sanity was walk, and I would put her on her buggy for a little mm-hmm. stroller, and I'd walk. And yeah. there was a thrift store on my route, and so I would pop into the thrift store. And I had to quit my job because I had to be home with this new baby um, that required so much care. And my husband was in grad school. So he was in grad school. He was working part-time at night. Now I wasn't working. We were broke, (laughs) like broke beyond broke. And so I would go into a thrift store and I hadn't been a thrifter before that, but it was sort of like, I live in this little tiny town in Vermont. And so it was like the clothes store in town pretty much. So I would go in and I would do retail therapy and I would buy stuff at the thrift store. And I would buy things that I'd never bought before because I never could afford them. And I would find J. Crew or Patagonia. I got to start experimenting with all these different brands. And I mean, I couldn't believe it. Everything was three bucks, four bucks. So we could afford to shop there, right? So it's kind of cool. And then I would notice... My background, my background is in science. I went to school for in science and um, biology. And so I have sort of like a little sciencey brain and I would wear things and I would start to pay attention how on one day I would feel like I had the perfect body. Like, mm. oh my God, everything, I feel so good. And the next day I would hate my body and be yeah. like, wait a minute, what kind of madness is happening here? <laughs> I hate my body on a Monday, but think my body rocks on a Tuesday. Yeah, My body didn't change between Monday and Tuesday. The clothes did. 
Yeah. Right. So then I started like, what is that? And I had nothing else to put my brain into because I was so, I was momming like one bazillion percent. That's all I did. I didn't have any friendships. I mean, I was just in the parenting thing, hardcore special needs momming, like mega. So this is where I allowed my, (laughs) my brain to wander was the mystery of why I feel good on Monday, but not on Tuesday. (laughs) So I just started playing around with it and noticing that when I wore certain things, I was a better advocate when I went into hospital rooms, right? Yeah, I was standing more in my power and other days I would be more intimidated. And Mm. Starting to break this down and being like, what kind, what is happening? And realizing it was the clothes. So there started my journey of like, when I wear this, this happens. When I wear this, this happens. What is going on? It never even occurred to me that my clothes could make me feel a certain way. I had never paid attention to it before, but I was so before children, before my first, I was like life, 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 busy, 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 busy. What I wear was was never on my radar, but that was all I had left. Like the only thing I did for myself every day was get dressed. I had yeah. nothing else. I was so committed to her, right? That I had nothing else that right. was mine. So there started that process. That's how it started for me. And then, and if you've seen my TEDx talk, um, oh yes, you, you know part of the story is she because you know she was born you know i have this like this high super high needs kid who has physical differences she has craniofacial differences and limb differences plus mm-hmm. about a million other differences um and so as a mother of a child with special needs who looks different than other kids i was really like my mission in life became how will i make sure that she fits in right because yeah. Just what you and I talked about, we're, we're t- like typical, typically developed to, you know, we've got typical mm-hmm. things and we still couldn't figure out the rules. Right? right. And we were just regular people. So he, and I was like, I'm just a regular person and I could never figure out the rules. I'll be damned if my kid doesn't know the rules and how to fit in. Right. She's already mm-hmm. got so many things against her. I have to figure this out for her so that she Nobody figured this out for me. I'm going to figure this out for her. I'm going to make sure that she fits in. I went all in on that. <laughs> and my strategy was to make sure that she always had the cutest outfits. And it sounds a little bit crazy, but it was like, that was a thing that I could do. She, her yeah. hair was always cute with the matching bar rats and the, the cute dresses with the little matchy panties or boot cut jeans and t-shirts with cap sleeves that were super cute and little designer sneakers. We were broke. But she had all the things to make sure that she was cute. And people would, yeah. oh, she's so, you know what I mean? Like, that was my oh, way. It makes so much sense to me. I mean, I, m- my son was born developmentally normal, mm-hmm. but was in the NICU for a week. And yeah. he had, you know, respiratory stuff. And I, I had this thing where I was like, I kept seeing him in the onesie or whatever they put him in. And I thought, I want him to look like a baby that's going home. So I put him in clothes Mm -hmm. that was like, he's dressed to go. (laughs) So I think Mm -hmm. it was, I mean, it's probably a similar mommy thing of like, I want this child to be seen as the child that they are and can be like, here's all their potential for where they're going and putting that on them in a way that's so loving. And it's an, it was 
an act of advocacy that I saw for myself was like, this is one of the very few things I can control about his world right now. And so yeah. I'm going to yeah. <laughs> like, this is, here you go. Here's, here's your clothes. Yeah. <laughs> so I yeah. totally get it. Yeah. Then you get it. Well, it turns out I didn't do it right. <laughs> yeah. turns out that was a bad strategy for me. So, and, you know, as she grew and sort of grew into herself a little bit, starting around two or three, she started really arguing with me about the clothes that I was putting on her. And it went and it went and it went and it went. And she just wouldn't, like, she just hated everything that touched on anything feminine. She hated mm-hmm. it. She yeah. wanted to wear, I'm going to throw up the air quotes just so it's super clear, boy clothes. She wanted to wear boy clothes. That's what she wanted to wear. And I was so resistant to it because my way of making sure that she fit in was to put her in the cute girl clothes. To yeah. put her in boy clothes was going to make sure she further didn't fit in. And I just could, yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't yeah. do it. And my resistance to it was unbelievable. We would mm. fight. And it, it's almost ridiculous. Like somebody be like, what do you mean? You just let your kids wear whatever they want to wear. I did with my second kid. But this, there were different stakes here, right? Sure. There were different yeah. stakes here with me making sure that she, that she was going to find her place in the world. And so I was trying to force it on her. Um, mm. And so we argued about it. We fought about it. It was like this major conflict in our life together. I mean, fight, fight. She would go to the babysitter's house and every time she would come home and the sun's close and I would be like, why is this happening? Why are you letting her wear it? She's like, cause she likes it. And I'm like, but no, this is where things kind of come together, right? Like I'm on my journey. When I wear certain clothes, I feel happy. Other clothes make me feel miserable. And now Mm -hmm. my kid is on this journey. When she wears certain clothes, she's happy. When she wears certain clothes, she's miserable. And I'm saying to her, this strategy works for me, but it doesn't work for you. Right. So yeah. I was a little short sighted. <laughs> a little bit. And then, <laughs> kids are such amazing teachers. I mean, absolutely. And then, you know, the moment where everything shifted was when she and I were at the thrift store and she wanted um, me to buy her a button down shirt and then a necktie. A necktie. <gasps> oh my God. It was terrible. I couldn't believe the audacity. And I said no. And then she was like, well, she's a pretty stubborn little kid. And so Mm -hmm. she went up to the counter. She's five years old. She goes up to the counter at the thrift store and was like, can somebody here help me? Because my mother won't find me a shirt and necktie. And so one of the staff went off with her to find a shirt and necktie in the kids department. And I was like, fine, you go ahead. (laughs) Go ahead and what you can find. And so they came back to me and they brought me the shirt and tie. I wasn't going to buy it. But then the lady gave me a look that showed me that I had to buy it. <laughs> I didn't have a choice. She was like, what do you mean? You're not going to buy it. It's $3. So I bought the shirt and tie. And I was like, it's just going to disappear in the night. Like, there's no way this is going to be a thing in my family. It's not going to happen. But as soon as we got home, Raisa put on the shirt and, te- and the necktie. And she looked in the mirror. She she took her own breath away. And it was like, she looked in the mirror and did one of those like, <gasps> Like she lost her breath when she saw herself in the short necktie. Yeah. And she said, mama, look how handsome I look. It wasn't beautiful. It wasn't pretty. It was handsome. Right. Mm. And then she runs across the living room and says, mama, mama, look how much faster I can run. And then she jumps up and down and says, mama, look how much higher I can jump when I'm wearing a shirt and tie. And that that, like, that became the thing. She can run faster and jump higher when she was wearing clothes on the outside that matched who she was on the inside. 
There's so much yes. joy in that. So much oh. joy and so much. And when you look at it big picture, here I am. She's telling me this is who I am. And I'm saying, no, it's not. This is who you are. So I'm teaching her to not trust her own intuition. Mm. I'm teaching her that she's perfect just the way she is as long as she fits in. And she already doesn't fit in because she does look different than other people. So I'm compromising her right off the get-go with my messaging. Um, And I'm taking away her ability to advocate for herself in in on solid ground. So if she were wearing as a 12-year-old kid nowadays a dress that I was still forcing her to wear which like the thought of it is just crazy for me mm-hmm. and somebody were to make fun of her. Yeah. I've my messaging over all these years would have been you're not good enough the way you are. You have to pretend to be somebody else, right? Yeah. And so I was compromising her own ability to to add, to be a self advocate. That's what I if you would have asked me all those years ago, what's my number one wish for her? It would be for her to be able to stick up and stand up for herself. But at the same time, I'm stripping away everything that makes her that everything I'm stripping away all of her tools that she has to be able to do that. Yeah. So now she wears I, again, throwing the air quotes because we don't actually use this language in our house, boy clothes and girl clothes. We just <laughs> sure. use clothes, right? Um, so, but for, for the listener, boy right. clothes, like that's what <laughs> she wears. not a visual medium here. <laughs> yeah. um, so she wears boy clothes and she just, she knows who she is and people mm-hmm. will pick on her because of her four-fingered hand or because she wears hearing aids or because of other things. And she's always just like... I wonder what their problem is. They must be having a bad day. Like this obviously has nothing to do with me because I'm awesome. And it was her teaching me the power of congruency. I was starting to get it with my own, like on Monday, I feel great on Tuesday. I don't and starting to put it together, but I didn't understand the gravity of it. I didn't understand how powerful it was in terms of not just it, it it transcends fitting in, which is what I thought my whole life was about, was trying to figure out my place in the world on where I could fit instead of determining where I belong. And I get to make mm-hmm. that call. Fitting in, you're waiting on somebody else to decide for you. Belonging, you get to make that call. So <sighs> it it occurred to me that as women, we spend way too much time trying to fit in, trying to figure out the rules. Nobody ever taught me. My mother didn't teach me. My sister didn't teach me. I didn't read the right magazines. The magazines didn't work for me. My body's not the right body. All that stuff is nonsense. It's all shit. It doesn't, it's not applicable, right? We're really, the only thing we have to do is say, who am I on the inside? And how can I reflect that on the outside? Because that's the congruency. And that's the missing piece. And we keep being directed towards everything outside of us. Catalogs, Pinterest, fancy Instagram feeds. That's not where the answer lies. Any question that you have about style, the answer is inside of you. Yeah, you You just have to trust that you know it. And that's like one of my things I say all the time in style school. So many people will ask me a question and my response back is, know what you know. Trust it. <laughs> yeah. You just have to trust it. And you might know it, but not 
fully want to go there because it's a little scary to know what you know, right? That's scary. And own it. Yeah, for and sure. Own it. It's wicked scary. So you kind of do it halfway, but it doesn't work. And you're like, see, told you. I'm like, yeah, but you only did it halfway. You didn't go 100%. doesn't work unless you go 100%, right? So it's that process of trusting yourself and fully stepping into yourself, which is scary because it's vulnerable because you're putting it all out there for people to see, right? Mm-hmm. And yes, it's scary, but that's where the magic happens, right? And that's when what we, what I think so much, so often we try to project our sort of our lack of confidence on what it would feel like to us if somebody said something to us in that state, but we're, but we're imagining it from our current place, not from that place of truth, right? Yeah. Like Raisa, when she's standing there in her bow tie, in her button down shirt, totally rocking it. When somebody says something to her, she's like, whatevs. Yeah, you know, it, it's water off a duck's back. This is yeah. who I am. Yeah, this I'm confident. <laughs> but if you were imagining somebody saying something to you from your current place of hurt and sort of almost believing that what those people are saying about you are true because you mm. don't because you're you're in that place still, then it does hurt. And the thought of it hurts. Right. So you hide. So you never get those comments. But what you're not realizing is that those comments won't hurt as much when you're standing in that place of connection and groundedness, you know, getting over that hump is scary because when you show up, people do say stuff, people notice you will be noticed. You're going to be all of yourself and that might be too much for someone, but when you know, it's just you and that's who you really are, then you can let go of, of the weird comments you might get from others. And then you yeah. come. I mean, I'm in that place right now where the comments are like, they're like zing at me like 900 miles an hour. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And it's nice to be in a place now where they always sting a little bit, right? And they become a voice that I have to start, I have to dismiss. It just happened like three, two weeks ago. I posted mm-hmm. a photo of myself on Instagram. That's where I hang out a lot. And mm-hmm. I posted a photo of myself in a bikini because I'm 44 years old, like wearing a bikini for the first time. And I love it. Yeah. And and somebody wrote on my feed that it, um, they were giving me some helpful advice that my bikini days were over. Ugh. Can you imagine saying that to another woman? No. What? <laughs> we all have a beach body. <laughs> I'm beach like, ready right now. <laughs> but, you know, when it stung oh. a little bit and I was like, oh, yeah. my bikini days over. And then I was like, no, she cranky. But she got some, she's mad about something. It's nothing to do with me because I think I look pretty damn good. And I don't care, get the the stretch marks and the cellulite, but that's who cares? We that's just stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah, I I fully agree. And that this body is the only one we get. Yeah, you can't redo this one, you can't. And one of the things I will often say is, I spent a lifetime trying to change my body. And I couldn't change it. But mm. what was easier to change was my mind, right? My oh, mind, I love that. I can change my mind about what beauty looks like. I had a very narrow definition of beauty in my mind. And it was something along the lines of a Victoria's Secret model or whatever the industry had put in my mind. I believed that to be the one and only true definition of beauty. My body doesn't fit that. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's taken work, but it's taken a hell of a lot less work than it would take for me to change my body to turn it. Like I'm five seven. I will never be five eleven. What the efforts that I would have to take to turn myself into a five (laughs) eleven body 
would be pretty significant. I would have to grow bones. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to do that. Um, So what I learned is that I could actually change my brain and redefine beauty. I never thought that was possible. And it, Mm. and like it, it is possible. We can redefine beauty. We can look and see beauty where we never saw it before. If we begin that process of retraining our brains and taking away all the, the stuff that helped us define what we thought beauty was to begin with. Right. Mm, Beauty was, you know, was tiny waist and I'm going to say big tits, like in a big ass, like whatever. Like this is what we thought. And then I go, wait a minute. I've seen plenty of women that have bodies like that, that are unkind. They're not friendly. They're not grounded. They're not vibrant. So really it's not the body that's beautiful. It's the soul of a person and how they wear it. Right. It's how they stand in their body. It's how they hold their body. It's when they walk out in their bathing suit. I don't care what their body looks like. If their eyes are forward and their shoulders are back and they're walking with confidence, that is the sexiest woman on the beach. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. He is the one that is, and I don't mean sexy in a, in a, I'm doing this to get the attention of the opposite sex or the same sex or whatever, like in a right. sexual kind of way. I mean it in a, collective femininity, collective woman, collective like power and owning yourself and yeah, exuding that kind of confidence that draws others to you because of the confidence alone. Yeah, that for sure is sexy. And and it is, and it's that, and it's the, it's, it's so incredibly beautiful. And I, I mean, I just came back from Mexico. I led a couple of women's retreats there and they were bikini retreats. And it was funny because I would be like, oh, I'm leading some retreats in Mexico. What kind of retreats? Bikini retreats. Oh, exercise retreats. I'm like, hell no, we don't exercise. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) We're wearing bikinis. (laughs) We're just wearing bikinis, eating all the guacamole we want to eat all day long is what we're doing, right? Like it it was just women being in their bodies and Mm. and owning their bodies and walking down the beach and be like just being in your body and and just allowing that to be what it was so we weren't caught up in our brains. Oh my God, how am I crossing my legs? I need to sit up if I bend over. I don't know. You know, all that shit that goes through your mind when you're wearing a bathing suit because you feel oh, totally, totally. exposed. Yes. What if you could wear a bathing suit and forget? And without that di- monologue, <laughs> without the inner monologue. critic popping yeah. in and reminding me. Yeah, yes. well, that would be it, life-changing for sure. It would be yeah. life-changing because that inner critic disconnects you from your life, right? It's it's disconnecting. When I'm with my family, I don't want to be paralyzed by my brain, you know, and not being able to engage. Like life is about connection. And that inner critic, that voice, I call them giblets. Those giblets are just there to leave you disconnected and isolated and alone and feeling like you're not enough or too much, right? So if we can override that with raw, gritty, connection to self, just like pure, unadulterated self-love. Yeah. The magic and the connection and the camaraderie and the beauty that happens in that space is unbelievable. I can only imagine. I mean, the, those retreats, I, there's pictures I know on Instagram of, of yeah. some of y'all on some rocks. And yes. Oh, oh the power of that. And oh it's like God. just beautiful. Like, yeah. These are people that know themselves and love themselves. And that's the thing that shines through. It's amazing. 
And we're all women of different sizes. Like Mm -hmm. all of our bodies are very different. And like, it's just beauty. There is no one body on the rock that looks more beautiful than the other. You just look and see collective beauty because it's power. It's women standing in their bodies. And Mm. there's so much... Like it's just that that image blows my mind. It's so good. It's gorgeous. <laughs> it's so, it really so is good. gorgeous. It's I'll put so a good. link over to your feed if people are like, I gotta see this because it really yeah. it's breathtaking. I mean, it it's breathtaking. It is that kind of a moment where it's like those are some powerful, beautiful women. Yeah, absolutely. And what makes them beautiful is that they're like these divinely brilliant, connected, comfortable in their bodies women. That's, you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, it's, it exudes that power. Yeah. It's really, it's a good one. It's, it's amazing. Um, Yeah. 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 It's a total gem. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If somebody is like, oh my gosh, I got to get myself into that space and I want to go on a bikini retreat with you. How do people find where you're at? Well, um, I can be found on my website, which they will have to click in the show notes because nobody will be able to spell it. <laughs> yeah, it'll be there. <laughs> my name, it's my, so my website is stachiasavasic.com. Um, mm-hmm. But again, it's difficult to spell. Um, but so that's where I hang out. That's where all my stuff is. And then mostly where I like have all my fun is on Instagram. I love Instagram. And then I have a Facebook business page as well. So those are sort of the places that I hang out. Um, uh, Up until now, the way that the bikini retreats are is you have to be a style school alum to be able to have Mm. access to them. So, and it's because we do a lot of the pre-work. Sure. To show up and be that person. Be that person. Comfort and beauty. Absolutely. In style school, we do the work with our clothes on. And that's still like level one. Get comfortable with your clothes on. Once you're good, then we go to level two, take all your clothes off, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. so it's almost like starting over and it re-triggers a lot of those things that you sort of had moved past when you have the clothes on your body. You know what right. I mean? So, mm-hmm. you know, it's been, it's been something that, um, it's, so I've done them for two years and it's, it's style school alum and they, they're popular. And when I offer them, they, they, they just sell out in like five seconds because so awesome they're awesome and people want to do it right Mm. um so that's that's how that works and same thing if you're if anybody's interested in style school are you running it again in april did i I see that awesome yeah so i'll be running the next session in april and then i'm not doing it again until september oh my word i know i know know. and so i have a feeling this one's going to be a little it's going to sell pretty fast they usually do i usually sell out really fast so awesome mm-hmm. um well cool yeah. i will i'll yeah. link up to that um what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life in the world or in other people's lives mm, three ways i think well i obviously think that one of the ways you can do that is by showing up by asking yourself who am i and how do i want to show up in the world and then doing that showing up in a way that reflects who you are on the inside because it brings joy to so many people when they can really see you and connect with you. So I think that's number one. Mm. Um, number two, another way that I think we can bring joy to our lives and other people's lives is to not participate in body shaming. I think that we often think of ourselves as victims of body shame and not perpetrators 
perpetrators of body shame. And I think we're more often perpetrators than we are victims because we talk about our bodies in negative ways. I think if we could change that dialogue ourselves, it would change the conversations you have with your girlfriends. And that in itself would bring a lot of joy when you're not in a group, just self-deprecating and talking about how you hate your bodies. Like, don't do that. That's bad. Don't do that. So Mm. I think that's number two. And number three, I was going to say, go dig up some worms. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Or get outside, right? Like get outside, be outdoors. That's just something that's like super important for me and my family. We hike every Sunday. We've been doing it for about a year and a half. We live in Vermont year round. Doesn't matter the weather. We hike every Sunday. It's what we do as a family. And it has been incredible for us and our yeah. family's sort of united happiness and our collective um, strength of how mm-hmm. we're able to support each other. And we build, you know, tenacity and resilience. And we talk about reverence for place and space. And it just brings a lot of joy to our family and to the people we meet on the trail and the community that comes from being being outside. I think it's just really lovely. Mm-hmm. So those are my three things. I love it. Thank you so much. I love that you brought the worms back. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of had to. (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you so much, Stacia, for being on today. (laughs) Thank you so much, Paula. It was super fun. Stacia, thank you so much for being on the show. It was such a treat to have you on. And I just really love how you have shared your story and love seeing the insights that you've gotten from being a mom and the things that Raisha has taught you as well. It's just so heartwarming and wonderful. If you guys want to read up a little bit more, you want to find links to Stacia's Style School or any of the other things we've talked about, you can find the show notes for this episode at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash Stacia, S-T-A-S-I-A. And uh, while you're there, of course, you're going to want to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I'll be diving a little bit more into that inside-out congruency idea that Stacia so eloquently discusses. And we'll look at it from the inspiration, intention, and action steps that you can take to bring it into your own life in a new way. Um, And you can find the sign up for that right there at the show notes, jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash Stacia. And next week on the show, I'm really excited to be sharing another look back episode. And this one is with Kelly Denethorn. I really am excited about sharing this episode because Kelly is a transgender advocate, an educator, and a math teacher. And I think you're really going to love what she has to say about her own male to female transition over the last year. So I hope you guys will come on back for that conversation. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.